Welcome to Practical Christian Living. If everybody was a hand, then where would the hearing be? And if everybody was an ear, where would the seeing be? And so just as a body has different parts, we're, we are the body of Christ, and so we have different parts, and so this great commission comes out to us, that we can do our part. There are some things about our God that we will never fully understand until we get to heaven to be with Him. We may not fully get the Trinity, but we understand that Jesus is the Son of God and is God. We understand that the Holy Spirit lives inside of us. Today on Practical Christian Living, we are talking about having faith big enough to handle the complexity of God. Here's part two of our study in Matthew 28, 16 through 20, with Robert Furrow, pastor of Calvary, Tucson. It says, all 11 went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. And I find that really interesting. It's kind of a side note from our topic today, but I find it really interesting that they still doubted because a resurrection is supernatural and hard to believe. And there are always going to be some doubts and we take our doubts to God. And then Jesus says to them in verse 18, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. The first thing he wants them to know, the first thing that he wants us to know is that he has all authority. That when we go out in his name, we are not going out on our own. We are not going out without any authority. We are going out in his authority so that we wrestle against spiritual things and and winning people for Christ is a that's spiritual warfare. That's what it's really about. The enemy is attacking you because he wants to take you out of the picture when it comes to people being one for Christ. And so it's spiritual warfare. And he just wants you to know all authority has been given to me on heaven and on earth. When we go out in his name, every time that I stand up in this pulpit and begin to give instruction, it is by the authority of Jesus Christ. And if we are doing it under his authority, then it will be highly effective. Remember, Jesus said that when he talked about building the church, he said, on this rock, I will build my church. And so Jesus has built the church. We're talking just not about little churches that are everywhere, but we're talking about the church in general. And he said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We are promised success when it comes to people becoming disciples. We are how we let people into the kingdom. We are promised success from that. And along those lines, let's talk a little bit before we get into the details here of the church and, and our part in the church. So Jesus established the church and sent us out. It's not an organization. I, from time to time, I'll say the church is the only organization that God really ever established. Calvary Chapel, God moved, I think, for the start of Calvary Chapel, but Calvary Chapel is part of the church. And the church is individuals. It's made up of people. So that whatever the church is doing, individuals do. And we do it together because you have strengths and I have strengths. And alone is one thing. I can only do so much alone. But once we get the strengths of other people, then all of a sudden you're able to do things that are far more effective. And we've discovered that with the staff over the years that we want a diversity. We want people that have different giftings. We want all of that there because then we can do more and we can do more efficiently. We can do more effectively. 
It's like when there's a, a marriage and one person might be weak in one area, but strong in another area. And when it's really working together the way that God wants it to work, then you're, you're able to stand together stronger as a couple than you are alone. Well, that's even a bigger picture within the church. We're the body of Christ and each one of us has a role. Each one of us has been given gifts to minister to one another, 1 Peter chapter 4. Each one of us has been given a position within the body. Not everybody's a hand, right? Right, 1 Corinthians 12. Because if everybody was a hand, then where would the hearing be? And if everybody was an ear, where would the seeing be? And so just as a body has different parts, we're, we are the body of Christ, and so we have different parts. And so this great commission comes out to us that we can do our part. You might say, well, I might not be able to go out and do what someone else can do, but I can do what God's called me to do. And so then Jesus says in verse 19, and this is the beginning of the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. That this is our marching orders. And for these 11 guys that were on top of that mountain in the Galilee, when you think of a mountain, there's not huge mountains in the Galilee, by the way. There are smaller hills that are around the Galilee. But there's a couple places you can get up really high and you can overlook the entire Sea of Galilee. And it's beautiful. There's one place that we go when we go to Israel. We take everybody up on the top of. And I like to talk about the Great Commission from there. Because Jesus says to them, go. These 11 were going to have to go. They couldn't stay in the Galilee. They had to go wherever they were going to go. And so people have misused this little word go for their own purposes. Usually fundraising. When people want to fundraise, especially in missions, they'll say things like, God calls some to go and he calls some to send. And you might not be able to go, but you can go with them by your money going with them. And that really is a twisting of this text. And I don't know now, okay, we've gone all around the world. The gospel is being preached all around the world. There may be some areas where the gospel has not gone that we want to be attentive to. But now if we go, if every Christian hears this, if we all heard this today, go, we would all just change places. It'd be like a giant chair change. We'd be like, okay, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to go over here, go over there. We are called to go to the people that we are going to influence. I think first of all, to our family, friends, coworkers, and acquaintances. First of all, to the people in our lives that we ought to be praying about knowing Christ, that we ought to know that God's drawing them, that the Holy Spirit's working within us and that we say, Lord, open doors. Open doors and I'll share my faith. Open doors that I can see people come to Christ. Secondly, that maybe God will give you a call to go somewhere else. There's some of you in here that I have no doubt that God is speaking to you about somewhere else to go. Maybe somewhere on the mission field. Maybe, maybe somewhere by some other city. When I was 25 years old and Skip Heitzig said to me, what do you think about going to Tucson to see if God wants to start a church there? I just remember that being just something that clicked in me. I'd never been here. I didn't know anything about the city, but just something clicked inside of me. He had encouraged me to go to Santa Fe and I knew I didn't want to go there. I shouldn't say I knew I didn't want to go there. I knew God didn't have that for me. But when Tucson was brought up, there was just something. So I left Albuquerque and I went to Tucson. It's not very far, really in the, the larger scheme of things. It's both, they're both in the Southwest. They're really similar kind of cities, but I leave one and I go to the other because that's God's call. And whatever your call is, you have to go. This has nothing to do with sending. I think there is a point to send. There's a point to support. There's a point to take our finances and give our finances to God. But that's not what this is about. 
The application of this is that you, as an individual, in a larger church, are called to go. And so you represent Jesus Christ. You're not alone. We have the church. When I, I give altar calls now at the end of every message, people, are, they respond, and sometimes people say, it must be wonderful to be used by God in such a way that people are coming into the kingdom. And it is. To be that part of that harvest is awesome. But I realize that for every hand that is raised, there's someone that's planted seeds in that person's life. Amen. And for every, every hand that is raised, there's other people who have watered in that person's life. So that we would not have the harvest if it wasn't for the church doing what we do. And so I just want you to know the significance of the call on, of God on your life to go. Go and think of the people that are around you. If God calls you to go somewhere, then be obedient and go. But go now into your world knowing that you represent Jesus Christ who has all authority in heaven and earth and you're guaranteed success. Now, he also says that we are to make disciples. We're not just to go and make Christians. We're not just to go and, and see people rescued. We're not just to go get people saved so that their lives can be better, right? Which I've already addressed. But we're going to make disciples. Jesus said a few times that being a disciple wasn't easy. He said, if you want to be my disciple, you need to deny yourself. But that's what disciples do. Disciples go, I'm not living my life for myself. I'm living my life for Christ. It's part of what discipleship is. Disciples literally means a learner. I want to learn about Christ. I want to learn what he wants from me. But he says, you want to be my disciple? You want to learn from me? Then you pick up your cross. You deny yourself. And you follow me, which means, number one, you pick up your cross, which means that you're no longer living for yourself. Jesus said, if you seek to save your life, you'll lose it. If you lose your life for my sake, you save it. So when we come to Christ, we say to him, here is my life, my goals, my plans, my desires. And I now want what you want for me. And if you're young, that means that God's going to direct you in your life. I can tell you that there was a time when I struggled about what I wanted for my life and what God would want for my life. I thought somehow that I wanted better for me than what God wanted when I was just amazed that what God wanted was, well, it's perfect for me. It's exactly perfect for me. So we want to make disciples and we want to be disciples and we have to be disciples. Otherwise, we're not doing the work that God's called us to do. We aren't following our marching orders. We need to let people know what a disciple is and that we're calling them to that. And then it says, go and make disciples of all nations. And the word for nations there is not the word for nations. It's ethos. And really, most often in the Bible, that word is translated Gentile. By far, by the way. It's like a hundred and something times ethos in the New Testament is translated Gentile. About 20 times it's translated nations. So it gets the idea of both of them. It simply means people. People. It doesn't just mean people groups. It means people. You'll hear people say when they talk about the Great Commission, you'll hear people say there's about 26,000 people groups in the world and there's still 6,000 that are unreached. Well, it's people that we need to reach. And if we need to break it down into groups to go, there's this people group that hasn't been reached with the gospel. And, and I've been hearing that same number, by the way, for the last 25 years. So I'm skeptical of the number. It seems to me that it, had to, it has to have gone down some or up some. There has to have been some change. So go out and make disciples of the Gentiles, of people that don't know Christ. Then he tells us, 
our marching orders again, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Part of what we are supposed to do as a church is to make disciples. Part of what we're supposed to do as individuals in the church is to make disciples. And part of what we're to do is to, to baptize. And if you have not been baptized since you have become a disciple, then you need to be because Jesus told us to do it. It's a milestone God wants you to have. It's a picture, an analogy, and we know this from Romans chapter 6, of laying down your life as you go under the water and of rising up out of the water with the power of the Holy Spirit that brought Jesus from the grave and you are now a new person. Old things have passed away and you're a new person. And God wants that for you. And uh, every so often when I'm baptizing and I always ask them, how long have you given your life to Christ? And the majority of people, it's six months, eight months, something like that, which is really good that they're getting baptized that soon. Maybe it should even be sooner. And every once in a while, I'll get somebody who will say 24 years ago. And I'll be like, you're getting baptized now? And then I usually say something like better late than never. <laughs> because it really should be well before that. And that's not to, don't be discouraged if you haven't been baptized and you need to be. Just go ahead and, and set it up. So the way that we do it now is we do baptisms by appointment. And we, we bought two baptismals that we set up, one here at this campus, one at our East Campus. And you can sket, you can call in, or you can do it through the, the Calvary Connection to, to 94,000. You can say, I want to be baptized. We'll get back in touch with you. We'll let you know when that baptism is and we'll schedule it. But uh, we could talk about baptism and I don't have time to today. We'll do it at another point. Should you be dunked? Should you be sprinkled? Should you be poured over? I don't think that those things, by the way, are important. I think the picture is, of immersion, which is what we do. That's what they did in the early church and that's why we do it. I don't think you're gonna get up to heaven, God's gonna go, well, you're a second class citizen in heaven now because you were sprinkled. <laughs> Remember, it's not salvation. We could talk about it not being baptismal regeneration. There are churches in this town that teach that you are saved when you are baptized. The Bible definitely teaches you are saved when you invite Christ into your life, when you receive him. And baptism is something that Christians do. We could talk about in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit because there are those people that teach in the name of Jesus only. We, that if you aren't baptized in Jesus' name, so when they baptize people, they say, I baptize you in the name of Jesus and they baptize them and then they say, now you're saved. Then when they're talking to someone else, they say, have you been baptized? You go, yes. Were you baptized in the name of Jesus? Yes, I was. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No, the name of Jesus. Because you can only be saved if you're baptized in the name of Jesus. Well, here's the crazy thing about that. We've only used the name Jesus for about 400 years for Jesus. The Greek is isos. That's all throughout the New Testament, which was written in Greek. And before that, we did not have the Anglicized name Jesus, which is the, what we would call English or American name for Joshua. So really you want to get down to it. What about all those people that weren't baptized in the name of Jesus before 400 years ago when we were using the name Jesus. What about a church that's more messianic? They say, hey, we're part of the church, but we're more messianic than we, than we used to be. And so we call them Joshua. So sometimes you go, go to a church and they'll say, you know, we really want to worship and praise Joshua. They're using his Hebrew name, which is probably more proper. I probably would respect them more if they were like, you got to be baptized in the name of Joshua or else you aren't really saved. But instead they use Jesus and think about not every, not every language uses the name Jesus. So you're going to be only baptized if you're in the, in the American, the way we refer to him or England refers to him. But if you're going to use the name that some other nation, some other language uses, you're not going to be saved. 
Anyway, I got way too far into that. I didn't want to get into that. It's just there's this silliness that takes place out there or saying that you got to be baptized by their church. If you're not baptized by our church, you're not really saved. Well, that's convenient for you. That means that the only people who are going to make it into heaven are people that go to your church. We all better go to your church. It's just a lot of silliness. But our marching orders say, make disciples, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the first time that we see Jesus really giving us a picture of the Trinity. Because the Holy Spirit, he's been talking about the Holy Spirit. He's been talking about the Father, but now he brings them all together. And you saw earlier that they worshiped him. They worshiped Jesus. So that's a, a reference to his deity, by the way. That if the disciples worshiped him and he wasn't God, that would be idolatry. So right here in Matthew, we have people being, worshiping Jesus because he is God. And so then we get the, the last part of, the, of our marching orders in verse 20, teaching them to observe all of the things that I have commanded you. So that's why we do what we're doing now. We're looking at the commands of Jesus in the Great Commission, and we're literally teaching all of the things that he commanded. So we have a good understanding on it. That's why we, that's why we have teachings that go through the scriptures, the apostles' doctrine, the Old Testament, the commands of Jesus. And as a Christian, a genuine Christian wants to keep the commands of Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. Doesn't mean we're perfect. We know we need to be forgiven. We know we blow it. We know there are, are problems that have to be solved, but we want to keep his commandments. And so part of the church, and obviously now we see that we're not just talking about individuals. We're talking about the larger collective of the church, which is made up of individuals. That, yeah, all of us should be involved in some way in teaching people, but some people have the gift of teaching so that we are teaching people to observe the commandments. This is what we're supposed to do. And then finally, we get the scope, and here's where, where he finishes it. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This tells us that even now, he's still with us, and we're still out here doing this great commission. These marching orders still apply to us, because here we are, I believe, at the end of the age, and Jesus is saying, I'm with you even until then. This isn't just for a certain amount of time. It isn't until the church gets around the world, but we are to continue this until he comes back. We continue to be witnesses. We continue to do the work that he's called us to do until he came back, comes back. And a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to wrap it up. Number one, do you know what your gift is? Do you know our gifts? Do you know that God has given you the Holy Spirit? Do you know what your gifts are? And do you know what your part is in the body of Christ? Maybe just an encouragement to go from, from perhaps just passively coming to church to being more active. Where does God want you? How can you be a part of it? You say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, sometimes we can get paralyzed when we don't know what to do because we want it to be perfect. It's, it's like me and my wife going on vacation. We can go anywhere we want to on vacation, but every vacation we want to be the perfect vacation. You guys get stuck in this? So it's like, where are we going to go? We could go to New York or we could go to Hawaii or we could go, I don't know. And we, we just want it to be perfect. And we're end up, you know, we're three months away and we're like, I don't know where we were going to go. And sometimes you just got to start. You just got to go. And, I, and, and I'll always tell her, you know, we could, go to, we could go to New York one time and Hawaii the next time, you know. Just start. Just look for an opportunity. What do you, what do you feel like doing? What do you want to do? How would you like to be involved? And just go and get involved. If you're in the wrong spot, you say, I'm going to go teach Sunday school. And then you find out, you know what? I don't have the gift of teaching. Then... Uh, God can direct you. He can, it's, it's easier to steer a moving car than a parked car. And so you're, right now you may be parked, 
And God's like, get involved here. And uh, that we would know that we are doing, this is, this, is, this is what the philosophy of the church is. This is what we all need to be about, everybody. No matter what distinctives there might be in different churches, that we are all about making disciples. We're all about going into all nations. We're all about teaching and baptizing. All of these things are what we are called to do. And this is what the church is. And it's important for us to understand it and know it and, and find out our part in these marching orders that God's given us. Stand with me, would you, and let's pray together. Father, we want to thank you as we are able to take time and look at this great commission that's given. And Lord, that all of us would really understand this is what it's about. It's not about just getting people to church and getting them a chance to raise their hand or going to church and learning the Bible, but that we are disciples, that we are denying ourselves, that we're picking up our cross and we're following you and that, that we're learning your commands and being filled with the Spirit to go out and be witnesses and the Holy Spirit, you, you drawing people that we are working with and we pray for the people that are around us that they would come to know you. We thank you for this in the name of Jesus, we pray, amen. I'd like you to keep your heads bowed, please, and your eyes closed for just a couple of minutes. And I wanna give you an opportunity if you're here today and you have never received Jesus as your savior. You don't become a Christian by osmosis just because you start going to church. Someone said that going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going into a garage makes you a car. You have to deliberately say, Lord, I want you in my life. Something else for you to know is that no one comes to the son unless the father first draws him. Which means that as I'm saying this, if you're considering, I would like to become a Christian, then it's because God's drawing you. You're not gonna show up and say, I wanna become a Christian and God's not gonna go, no, not you. If you wanna become a Christian, it's because God's drawn you. As Jesus walked up to the disciples and said, follow me, he's in essence saying to you, follow me. And when you raise your hand here this morning, you're responding to him. Some of you guys have maybe made a commitment a while ago, but you haven't followed through with that commitment or at some point you walked away and you need to return today. Whatever the case is, you're saying, I want to live for him now and I want him working in my life. And if you're here today and you wanna receive Jesus as your savior, then I'm gonna ask you to do something simple. Just right where you are, raise your hand now. Lift your hand up now, lift it up high so I can see it. God bless you, sir. That's great. God bless you, sir. That's awesome. Anyone else? The Bible says today is the day of salvation. And today, if you hear God's voice, don't harden your heart. Just respond by raising your hand. You're saying, I want my sins forgiven. I want to be a part of what God wants me to do. You know, you heard the message. You're surrendering for the gospel of Jesus Christ to be a disciple of his. So I'm just going to scan the room one more time. God bless you. That's great. And God bless you. All three of you guys there, that's awesome. God bless you, sir. That's great. Anyone else? All right. You can put your hands down, and I would like everyone, including those that raised their hands, to repeat this prayer after me. Dear Heavenly Father, I confess that I have sinned, and I know my sin has separated me from you, but I also understand that I can be forgiven by the death of Jesus on the cross. So I invite you into my life and I turn from my sin that I can live for you in the name of Jesus. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. Amen. Exciting.
Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living with Robert Furrow. We hope that our verse-by-verse studies truly help you to see that God is real. He wants a personal relationship with you, and His Word is life-changing. If you'd like to hear more of Robert Furrow's teachings, visit calvarytucson.com. For our local listeners, we invite you to join us at one of our two campuses. Our East Campus at Speedway and Camino Seco meets Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9.45 a.m. Our West Campus, south of Palo Verde and I-10, meets Sunday mornings at 8.30 and 11 a.m. Our midweek service times are Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. at our East Campus and 7.15 p.m. at our West Campus. If you prefer, you can watch our service at live.calvarytucson.com and also on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. Our online campus is available during East Campus service times. If Practical Christian Living has blessed you and you'd like to donate, please visit pclaz.org. That's pclaz.org where you can make a secure one-time donation or sign on to become a monthly partner on a reoccurring basis. Have you accepted Jesus into your life or do you have questions about salvation? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at saved at calvarytucson.com and don't forget to follow us on social media, Instagram at Calvary Tucson or Facebook at Calvary Chapel Tucson. We want to remind our local listeners that you can watch Practical Christian Living TV Sunday mornings at 8.30 a.m. on KGUN 9. Thank you for joining us for Practical Christian Living.